Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur turned 50-year-old mom of a 10-year-old. No matter what stage and age I am, I always feel happier when I'm learning, growing, and connecting. And when I find amazing things that help me learn, grow, and connect, I naturally want to share. This is an episode in a special series I'm calling The Body Summit. My goal is to help women understand, learn, and handle the changes we experience as we age. Because let's face it, we're very different emotionally and physically at 50 than we were at 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever age. I just so happen to be in the perimenopausal stage of life, so much of this series focuses on what happens during the transition before, during, and after menopause. Today, I connect with an old friend who's doing really cool things for women, Jill Angie. Jill is empowering women to set and go after life goals they didn't realize were possible. She calls herself a fat running coach. You'll hear her talk about this um, as she runs her Not Your Average Runner empire. She's also a life coach, which is sort of obvious as we chat. She's a speaker, an author, and the coolest person you will ever meet through the airwaves. She's uh, also through to the other side of menopause, as, and uh, she's got some awesome insights to share today. I'm sure you'll want to work with her after listening. Head over to notyouraveragerunner.com and grab her free start running kit on her website and reach out to her anytime. She's awesome. And I should add really quick that my goal today was to do an episode about what happens to our boobs. Yes, our breasts during menopause. Um, actually, I thought it would be a super fun topic to do an entire episode on, and I couldn't think of anyone better to talk breasts with than Jill Angie, which you'll understand why after we explain on the show. Um, but I realized even before we started, as I was researching that we would need to expand the conversation to cover all things menopause from Jill's perspective and uh, even a few more fun rabbit holes. So it's not super boob heavy, but there's definitely some good boob boobage stuff in there. All right, so get ready. But before we start, I'm thrilled to share that we have a sponsor for the Body Summit series. It is Inside Tracker. I found Inside Tracker when I was Googling how to get a personalized blood work test drawn, basically get blood drawn from my home based on what I wanted to analyze about my body without a visit to the doctor. I wasn't even sure if that was possible, but not only does Inside Tracker offer exactly what I was looking for? They have a slew of blood work options that I didn't even consider, some of which felt perfectly targeted to me as a 50 year old athlete in the perimenopausal stage of life. In a nutshell, this series is about being an advocate for your own health, and Inside Tracker is the perfect partner to help us do that. So here's the scoop on Inside Tracker. We all push our bodies to the max to be as fit and healthy as we can. And we can see how our efforts are affecting us on the outside, right? 
But what's really happening on the inside of our bodies? We don't know. We can't see it. This is where Inside Tracker comes in by making it super easy to get a blood draw, to get your blood analyzed, to get a report on your blood, um, and to get tips and tricks to improve the blood markers that are not optimized. It is such a cool service. And for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. Yes, insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. And yes, I will release an episode very soon with my Inside Tracker experience from start to finish. Um, I have just booked a follow-up blood draw to my initial blood draw with Spawn this entire situation. And it'll be really interesting to compare my metrics and see how their suggestions helped. Anyway, enough about that. You ready? You ready to do this? I think it's time to learn more about this crazy menopause journey. Let's hear now from the indomitable Jill Angie. Hello, Jill. You're back. (laughs) I'm back. Hi. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And hello, everyone listening to this awesome episode of the Body Summit. It's supposed to be all about boobs, right? Did we say like, boobs. So when I concepted the body summit series, my goal was to talk about how menopause affects many of our different body parts and functions. I had this whole list. I'm like, I'm going to talk about skin and hair and vaginas and boobs. Um, But here's what I found as I started like researching, what am I going to talk about with boobs? Well, first of all, the only person I thought of to talk boobs with was you. Are you dying? (laughs) I have enough boobs for three women. So <laughs> I was like, well, I know my boob journey and it's definitely an A plus journey, A, A, A all the way. And I was like, I need someone with a different experience, and a different perspective. But I also just needed someone who's super open and vulnerable and willing to be, you know, open to talking all about things that a lot of people keep pretty private. And the reason is because our boobs go through a lot of changes during this time. Mm. But okay. So as I'm researching, I'm like, okay, so somebody else probably done some episodes about boobs and there were no podcast episodes, 100% about boobs. And I was like, I wonder why that is. But to be honest, I was like, well, I have the Jill Angie here. I don't just want to talk about boobs. We need to reconnect about all kinds of things. So I'm like, all right, here's the deal. Yes, this is kind of the boob topic of the body summit, but we are going to open it up and just get the full perspective. We're going to go down whatever rabbit menopause rabbit hole, you know, we find and uh, we're just going to we're just going to wrap today. We will hit on our lovely, you know, breast issues, but (laughs) but this is what I want to do. Are you with me? I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. Well, you know, before we actually just jump right in, it's been a while since you've been on the show. And I want to refresh our listeners with who you are, what you do. And I think that will let them understand why we're talking and why you're such an amazing person. All right. So let's give a little background. Let's do an elevator pitch. Who are you and what do you do, Jill? 
Okay. Well, my name is Jill Angie and I live in Philadelphia <laughs> and I'm 54 years old. I'm going to be 55 next month. And, um, and I am a fat running coach and I help fat women start running and mostly fat women over 40, uh, tend to work with me. Cause I'm, you know, on the postmenopausal side of things, but yeah, I like, I like helping fat women start running and sort of disrupting the fitness industry a little bit. So Jill, we came together because when I was running skirt sports, I was sort of expanding our reach by looking at different kinds of women who might appreciate the products we make for all sorts of bodies. And I stumbled upon you. That's how I remember it. Maybe somebody told me about you. I'm sure they did. They're like, oh, I think it might have been Myrna. Who it was, was like, definitely Myrna. Yeah. He was like, you need to know this woman, Jill Angie. And then I was like, this is my, this is one of my soulmates. Like you are one of my soul sisters. Um, and we just hit it off and had the best time at skirt, but I'm no longer with skirt anymore. It's in the very capable hands of the Sarah Ratzleff of the be inspired empire. But, um, you know, I just, I love that we came together through all things, women and all things active. You, you didn't start out as a fat running coach, you were in a high powered corporate job for a while, weren't you? I was, I was in the pharmaceutical industry. I got to travel around the world, inspecting our various manufacturing plants. And I always used to say it was like somebody else's dream job because it was not mine. I loved the travel part, but then I did not like having to actually work when I got there. Um, so <laughs> it was not super fun. Um, but I kind of was like, I mean, I liked, I liked my job as far as job goes, jo jobs go. It was a good one, but I always felt like there was so I, that I could be contributing to the world differently and that I wasn't doing what I was put on the planet to do. And, um, I was kind of going through my own sort of fitness reawakening body confidence journey, um, in my late thirties and early forties. And I thought, what if, what if I just quit this corporate gig and started a personal training studio for, and at the time I was using the term plus size uh, for plus size women. And so that's what I did. I just, I just quit my job one day. <laughs> my husband at the time was like, you what? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to what? Um, but I did, I opened a personal training studio. I became a personal trainer. And, um, along the way I wrote a book about running while fat, like how to be a fat runner. Basically it was called, uh, at the time the book was called running with curves and the, it just took off. It got downloaded like a hundred thousand times off of, uh, Kindle. And I realized like, oh, this is what I was meant to do on the planet. So, um, yeah. It's so crazy, you know, when we have those light bulb moments that tell us what we were meant to do. Yeah. You know, and is it because you just felt it felt right? Or was it because you were helping people feel good and they felt good and then you were feeling good? It was like this like ripple, you know, yeah. effect of of feel goods. I yeah, I think for sure that and and also you know, I was in, you know, I went to a, an engineering school and I was always in some sort of like science and technical field. And cause I absolutely love science and tech, but it's a very male dominated field. And I just noticed that a lot of the women that I worked with, I, I don't know, it just, it, 
there was a lot of like, oh, I need to look a certain way to make progress. And I would hear even my friends just constantly like being down on themselves for having cellulite or what. And I just thought like life is too short to worry about the size of your ass and whether or not somebody sees your arms in a tank top. And, and I thought I gotta, I gotta do my part to put a stop to this. Cause partly, cause I'm just like, it, it like every time I would hear a woman complain about her body, it would, it would start to kind of like bring up my own residual thoughts about my own body. And then I'd be like, wait, should I be more worried about it? I'm like, no, no, no. So, so I was kind of like, I just, I got to do my part to stop the madness. And so that's part of why I um, did what I did, because I wanted to help empower fat women to, you know, think differently about themselves. Well, it's like the ripples can work in all different ways. You can have very negative ripple effects. And a lot of people listening have children and many have daughters. And if those daughters hear you talking negatively about your body, which to them, might look amazing, but to you looks however you think it looks, then they're going to start to develop that mindset. And that's what we want to avoid. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. I really want to keep talking about this, but I'm going to force us (laughs) to talk (laughs) about menopause. Um, I know that you would be officially considered postmenopausal. And let's just remind everybody that doctors call menopause when you have 12 consecutive months of no period. Um, is that correct? You are through the menopause year funnel? I am. Um, but I think it's so funny that they're like, okay, once you have gone 12 months without a period, you're officially in menopause because that most women don't actually well, maybe not, but a lot of women don't have that experience. Like I was officially in menopause for, let's see, over a year, like a year and a half. And then my period made a surprise appearance. <laughs> like, Were you like, am I only. dying? What's happening? I mean, I went directly to the grocery store and bought a pregnancy test because my, you know, at the time he was my, my boyfriend, but you know, we were kind of like, woohoo, we, we don't need protection. And we were just having all kinds of fun. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> like, what, oh my what if I'm like 52 years old and pregnant? And oh so my gosh, the, the moment I found myself in the grocery store line, at, you know, in my 50s, holding a pregnancy test and, and just being like, please don't anybody ask if this is for me. I had a whole story about how it's for my teenage daughter, which I don't have any children, but I'm like, I can't. I can't just, no, I was just so weird and awkward. But, um, so I did actually did call my doctor and she's like, oh yeah, that happens sometimes. Like don't, you know, don't worry about it unless you have like weird symptoms or continuing symptoms. And I didn't. So, um, okay, well let's go back then before all of this one night wonder occurred. (laughs) Um, so you, you're 54 now. It sounds like, you know, it's been years since this journey started of, yeah. you know, entering the new phase, the new chapter. What do they call it? The change. Um, but I've been, become interested at, 
in this myself because I've started having all these weird symptoms that I didn't know what they were. And then I started talking to people and like, oh, you can't think of words. Duh, menopause, perimenopause. They're like it's peri. And uh, I was, you know, I'm like, oh, there's even like shortened terms for what we can slang for the chain. You know? <laughs> oh, it's peri. So, you know, they're like, oh, you're getting hot at night. You can't sleep peri. Oh, you're crabby and bitchy and you aren't usually because that if you usually are, then, you know, that's just you. But if if you're not and you're having that, that's Perry. So a lot of people, people start this perimenopause symptoms, you know, as early as their early 30s. Some people start Mm -hmm. to experience them. When did yours begin and what were they? So. I I honestly don't know exactly when they began. I think it was sometime in my early 40s that I started noticing. I started noticing that um, I was getting like my heart racing in the middle of the night. Um, Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just think I was having a heart attack or um, or I was getting dizzy. And so I, I tried to not drink caffeine. I stopped drinking caffeine because I thought maybe that was it. And that did help. But I was also getting hot flashes. I was also like, why am I so hot at night when I sleep? And I think one of the most notable symptoms was that I was like when I would get my period, my period was starting to become a little bit irregular, but not it wasn't that bad. Like, but my boobs would hurt so much more. And, you know, my, I have really generous boobicles. Um, <laughs> is that a word? Boobsicles? <laughs> it is um, now. Big boobs. And, um, and they always hurt a little bit when I would get my period, but I was actually pretty lucky in that I didn't get like a lot of the mood swings that, that many women get. Um, but I did get a little bit of breast pain and cramps, but the cramps and the, and the boob pain got a lot worse as, you know, as my, as menopause started to kind of roll on in. And, um, and actually, even after I stopped getting my period, I would still have like breast pain for a while, but I think mostly, yeah, mostly my symptoms were, were hot flashes, um, heart racing and, you know, trouble sleeping, which still, I still sleep like shit all the time. So that was, that was kind of a bummer when I stopped sleeping well. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, and I think like the frustrating thing was that most of my, most of my friends are younger than me. And so they were kind of like, none of them could relate. And my mom had already passed away by the time it started to happen. So I couldn't really talk to her. And my sister, interestingly enough, was like, yeah, I never really had any symptoms. Although now that I talked to her, she actually had a lot of symptoms. She just didn't know that that was what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was nobody to talk to about it. And I would ask my doctor, like, this is what's going on. And she's like, it's normal aging. And so nobody ever said a thing to me about, hey, this could be, you know, you're in your 40s, this could be menopause coming on. And I finally... I don't know. I stumbled upon a book or something and was like reading, uh, but it might've been like one of the Northrop's books. I can't remember if it was the mother or right, the daughter. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably the mother. And uh, I was like, Oh, that 
that's what's happening. I, I would just like look up every symptom and it would be like, yep, yep, yep. And vertigo. That was another one that like it, I'd be laying in bed at night and I would just start lift, the bed would start to feel like it was just swimming around. And I looked at, I'm like, oh, look, that's also a symptom of, of perimenopause. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you were truly in the camp of people who might think you were going crazy. Like yeah. a lot of women think they're just sort of going crazy until their eyes are open. And you really did not have much guidance. I had no idea. I, I like kind of mad at my doctor who was also a woman. Right. It wasn't like I had a male doctor who was like, no, you know, oh, it's just it's just female problems. Like I had a female doctor and she's like, yeah, it's just aging. So yeah, very frustrating. Um, you know, that's brutal. It's funny. I, uh, I also have female doctor. We talk a lot about this stuff and hormones and all the things, but I've had people tell me that they have really great male doctors who've helped them through menopause. And I just don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's funny. I did a motivational speech yesterday to a really awesome group, a mixed group of men and women. And we were uh, we were talking about burnout and the, the signs of burnout. And I was reading them and I'm like, well, actually, pretty much all of those could also be perimenopause. So who knows if it's burnout? And um, the women all laughed. And I got some feedback later that a woman goes, yeah, a couple of the men just sort of rolled their eyes and were like, here we go. And I'm like, God, this sucks. I want I want this topic to be understood by both genders so that we don't have to hide it. You get rid of all the stigma of like a woman turning older and, um, you know, men can support women, too. We don't have to just support each other. So it's yes. kind of funny. I know it's a random thing to bring up, but, you know, you've encountered it. Yes, I have. And I, I could not agree more with you. I do think that like, and I think men are just uncomfortable with the topic. So it's, of course, they're going to be dismissive versus, I mean, fortunately, my my husband is a, a nurse. And so he's just, and he, he specifically works with the geriatric population. So <laughs> I always say he's my insurance policy because when I get old, he's going to be able to take care of me. Um, but he's he's very open to to all of it. And so when I say, listen, it's just menopause, he's like, oh, OK. And he doesn't roll his eyes or anything. But um, a lot of a lot of dudes do. So here's my question. As you're as you figure out that, oh, these symptoms may be related to menopause, which I seem to be approaching. Um, how did you handle that? Did you do HRT? Did you do any hormone replacement therapy? Did no. you take any other, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, any other remedies that might help you or do any other activities that might help you? I actually didn't because once I figured out what was going on, I was able to just be like, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about this. Like I can handle a few hot flashes. I can handle some like vertigo. Like once I, once I knew like, this isn't something I'm not dying, <laughs> I don't have a brain tumor or, you know, like my, cause my, my mind went to some pretty crazy places when I started experiencing these symptoms. And then once I knew like, oh, this is just normal. This is just part of becoming older. Nothing has gone wrong. I was able to relax. And then I'm just like, yeah, you know, like I can handle a few hot flashes. So I didn't, I actually didn't really do anything about it because it no longer concerned me as something abnormal because 
it was just like, oh, this is just, I mean, I did have to manage my thoughts about my hair turning gray. And that took me a few years. I continued to dye my hair because my hair started graying pretty heavily in my forties. And I continued to dye it, um, right up until, uh, my wedding. So my second wedding, my husband and I got, um, we got married in 2021. Well, actually we got married in 2020 in the middle of COVID, but we had the actual wedding <laughs> in 2021. And so I, I dyed my hair for the last time right before then, because he was just like, I really think you'd be so pretty with gray hair. And I really wish you would let it grow in. And I was like, well, I am kind of tired of spending a couple hundred bucks every month <laughs> to get the roots dyed. So let's just see what happens. And And so that I've kind of had to work on my thinking about, um, but th- I think that's more of an aging thing and less of a menopause thing. Yeah. I mean, I do think our hair changes as we get older for sure. I mean, I know it does, obviously it changes yeah. color and then it, it feels different and yes. all the things. And, you know, really what it comes down to is readjusting who you think you look like, like, yeah does your outer self represent who you think you look like when you look in the mirror? Are you like, wait, that's not me. Yeah. How's that person? Me? She has gray hair, you know? (laughs) I mean, and that was, that was the adjustment because I've always been like, had really like dark, shiny hair. And now I've got this like gray and it's like, now I have basically wavy hair instead of straight hair. That's new. And so it's been a whole new, like looking in the mirror going, who is that person? And, and trying to like, see if I can see myself in that, in the current version of me. And I think that's, that's been the adjustment. But the other thing I've also found that's been a delight of going through menopause is I no longer, can I swear on this show? You can definitely okay. give it your best shot. <laughs> I no longer give a fuck <laughs> what other people think about how I look and how I present myself. And so I'm, I've become a lot bolder with my fashion and it's really helped my body confidence and my body image. And I think that is one result of of the estrogen levels in your body dropping is that because estrogen is a hormone that I think helps women try to keep the peace. And it's like one of the functions is like, it's like a community hormone and it helps women sort of like care about what other people think so that they can keep the peace and keep the family together and keep the tribe together. And as your estrogen levels drop that desire to please other people starts to drop as well. And so that's been just, an absolute delight to be like, Oh, I don't like, I can wear like a, a belly shirt or I can go out running in a sports bra, even though I'm fat. And like, I don't have to care about what other people think. It's so freeing. Wow. How can we get people to shift that mindset earlier in their life? Not just because their estrogen is changing. Yeah. Well, I think, and that's part of what the work that I do is to basically just like tell people like, Hey, by the way, (laughs) you don't have to wait till menopause. (laughs) You can start now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how do you do that? I I really want to know. I think people listening want this. I mean, it's powerful. It's first of all, it's understanding the reasons that we have those thoughts and beliefs in the first place. And part of it, again, is biological, right? Which makes sense. 
because uh, you know the traditionally the male of the species goes out and hunts and provides and the female of the species cares and nurtures um you know across the animal kingdom but then of course humans have this brain that can actually be self-aware and think and do all these other things so we've got sort of this higher level that we can operate on and so that's like, yes, you're sort of biologically wired to want to please other people and be part of the crowd, but also you have this thinking brain where you can decide that actually that doesn't serve me and that doesn't matter. And so understanding the biological part of it and, I mean, the part of, I mean, I hate to use the the word patriarchy, but it really is <laughs> patriarchy which is just kind of the the fact that the balance of power in our society lies with men, right? And and it serves men for women to want to please them and a lot of the reasons that we're so focused on our appearance is because you know, we have this belief that we need to be more attractive so that we can attract a mate and and then it kind of gets all twisted into this weird kind of belief that we're not worthy if we are if we don't meet society's and society's very fucked up expectations at this point of what women should look like because when you go on Instagram and you see you know everything's photoshopped and there are these women with these impossibly small waists and you're like there's no way that all your internal organs fit in there but yet that's what we're being fed as what you know what we should be aiming to look at so if you can understand that like the reason you have this belief that your body should look a a certain way is really because of a little bit of your genetics and a lot of what you're being fed between the patriarchy and the media and all of that then you can just be like well actually i decide that i reject that and i i think it takes a while it takes a lot of like deliberate thinking and and processing and reprogramming of your of your beliefs but yeah that's how you do it (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry, that was a lot to to dump on you there. (laughs) Let's do this. Jill Angie is available for coaching session. (laughs) Go to notyouraveragerunner.com. Okay. And that is for real and for true. But but I love this. And you know what it's bringing up? The the concept of the male gaze. Have you heard of this in marketing, of course? And um, it's funny, you know, I bring this up like in every podcast. In college, I wrote a senior thesis called The Female Athlete, an Oxymoron. And I was like studying the conflict between being female and being an athlete. Even back in the mid early 90s, this was on my mind because I was suffering from it. I was being told by magazines what it meant to be feminine. And this is when I think Kate Moss was like our cover girl. And it was like, you got to be super skinny, no muscles, no curves, straight body. You got to be like kind of quiet and sweet and welcoming, maybe not a drug addict. I think she was. But anyway, um, and then and then I was dealing with what it what you needed and what was required to be a badass swimmer in college or a badass athlete of any kind. And it was like, you need to be strong. You need to be muscles. You need to have an extra layer of body fat. This is what swimmers do. They need to float. You need to be aggressive. You need to be going out and getting after it. You know, like it was a very different concept. And through this research, one of the things I was studying was that most advertisements for women's products were created for the male gaze. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you an example because I remember writing about this. 
legs pantyhose. So it was like, you need a good set of legs. And it showed like sexy women's legs wearing these pantyhose, which was really kind of created, I think, to make men salivate. But Mm -hmm. women wanted them because supposedly they wanted to make men salivate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just sort of like so fucked up when you really think about that. And I think a lot of advertisements still, you know, use that angle. But I would just love to turn the whole, you know, industry on its head and say for every women's product, do it for the female gaze, not yes. the male gaze. Create right, products like- that women want to see themselves wearing, not a woman that they cannot be wearing. Exactly. Right. Right. And like, if you were going to make an ad for pantyhose that was directed towards women, it would be like, stay warm while you're walking to work. (laughs) It would show a woman in like Uggs boots and pantyhose and a skirt. Well, and also maybe like you don't have to shave your legs. Yeah, exactly. Where are pantyhose? Your leg hair won't poke out. Exactly. You know, like making our life easier and better, warmth, no shaving. Yes. Oh, you're so right. That is so funny. <laughs> right. Like no, no woman wears pantyhose so that her legs, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody wears pantyhose anymore. I wear tight sometimes still, and it's definitely not. So my legs look better. It's to keep them warm when it's cold <laughs> totally. outside. Otherwise I don't wear tight. Like if it's warm outside, I don't wear anything on my legs because you know, right, of course. yeah, it is fascinating that that any pro any like beauty or fashion product for women, like now that I'm thinking about, it, they're all directed towards making you beautiful for the male gaze. God, okay, this is this is a great rabbit hole. Going <laughs> on. <laughs> Just a quick break to take care of some business. As you know, today's sponsor is Inside Tracker. They provide mobile blood draw services, or you can drop into any of their blood draw centers that are local to you. If you are waiting to figure out what is going on inside your body because you're just not sure how to do it or you don't want to deal with making an appointment with a doctor and figuring it all out, just go to insidetracker.com forward slash run this world, get 20% off all of the products on their website. And before you know it, you You will have data, you'll have a better understanding of what's going on inside your body, and you will have tips and tricks from the experts at Inside Tracker to help make a difference in your life. Go there now, insidetracker.com forward slash run this world for 20% off. All right, everyone, back to the show. No, actually, I'm going to turn us back to the original um, <laughs> original concept we were supposed to talk about. Boobies, boobs, yes. breasts. Talk about the male gaze. <laughs> yeah. Hot dogs. Well, one of the things that you actually did mention that I did not know and I think is very relevant to menopause here is that your breasts started to hurt through this process. And were they ever hurting before 
in the same way a little bit they would hurt like you know a day or two before i had my period they'd be a little bit tender um and then it would go away but they hurt in a whole new way like my nipples just felt like i couldn't so there were days where i couldn't wear a bra because it was just too painful and yeah so the touch like it was too sensitive yes it was it was really painful and um and it would go on for days it wouldn't be like a just you know a a day or two. And then I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to get my period. It would just go on for days. And it was awful. That was awful. That doesn't happen anymore. That kind of stopped once, once menopause officially settled in, that has completely gone away. And I don't really have that, um, that pain anymore, but yeah, so I, it's, I was, yeah, it's it was something we could experience. So, yeah. you know, it's funny because I was like, well, what happens to boobs during menopause? And I found a WebMD article, which you can look up yourselves, everybody listening. It's WebMD.com backslash menopause, and you'll find all kinds of things. But um, they were like, there are three ways that menopause can affect your breasts. And the first one is tenderness or pain. Mm-hmm. And the only time in my life that I've experienced tenderness or pain was when I was pregnant and breastfeeding, Mm. you know, and then, so it had to do with the hormones created that supposedly grow your boobs during pregnancy. I'm an A cup on both sides, but during pregnancy, one boob almost hit a B. Ooh. I was like, Whoa, but only one. (laughs) Yeah. But only one. (laughs) Of course not both. (laughs) I was like, Oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll have to get some new bras. And then afterwards it was like, Nope. Going back to the usual. Um, <laughs> so that might be coming. And, you know, when that happens, what do you do to make it feel better? Yeah, I didn't do I just didn't do anything. It didn't occur to me that there was anything I could do. I think I, I, that started when I was in the beginning phases and I was like, OK, something's going wrong with my body. Um, I wonder I mean, if what I could- did was just not jump around a lot and I didn't wear, I would wear like really soft bras, no underwire bras or anything like that. Or I would go braless. I wonder if you could like get a really thin ice pack and put it in, in between your bra and your like, a little layer between your skin and the ice pack or something, but like, wouldn't that be I funny? feel like this is a product that needs to be made because <laughs> totally. I, I, if I had thought of that, I totally would have done that. You know, I bet you, you could create a bra. Okay, so for all the bra makers out there, including you, Sarah Ratzleff from Skirt Sports, who's making cool bras still, um, maybe there is like a little pocket or something that we can, or a technology, because, you know, there's all kinds of cool ice packs out there now that you don't, that don't require going to the freezer. Yeah. 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 It's like temperature regulating. Um. Okay, so that's one of the things that can happen. Um, Another thing is that they said there can be changes in breast size and shape. Mm. And it's funny, I'm shape. I'm like, so they go from spherical to like, it's a rectangle. Like what (laughs) happens to your boobs? A lot of people talk about after kids, they end up with banana boobs. You know, it's like. They they got all the milk sucked out of them and now they're just hanging. And, <laughs> you know, that's just part of the process. You know, our boobs yeah. change shape no matter what throughout our lives. But did you experience any changes in size or shape? No, I didn't. They I mean, I would have been grateful for them to lose a little bit of 
because they're kind of heavy to drag around. But no, they they just they just basically stayed the same. So, yeah. Well, and then the other thing on this article is lumpy breasts. And that one's kind of scary because, you know, we do our checks all the time. I hope everybody listening does. And especially at your annual, you're going to get an, you know, a real professional check. But lumps are basically synonymous with, oh, boy, you might have breast cancer. So they can definitely just they can become lumpy and not be cancerous. But I think this is a definitely a big one that we all need to be watching for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. And just speaking about mammograms, if you like if you have big boobs, mammograms are a lot easier. So if anybody out there is thinking like, oh, I got big boobs and it's going to hurt more, it actually hurts a lot less than if you have small boobs. <laughs> Yes, I know this totally like shaking her head. Yes, it does. So that's one feature of having giant boobs is that mammograms less painful. Well, it's very funny when you are an eight cup. I don't know if it's funny, but they're like, okay, so now you're gonna and you're like smashing your face on the top of the machine. And then they're they're grabbing as much breast tissue as they possibly can, pulling it from the side of your ribs and like trying to smash whatever. And I'm doing it to myself right now. You can probably <laughs> hear me rustling around. Um, and then they smash whatever they can in between the slides. And they're just like, hang on, don't breathe. And you're like, my whole skin is being ripped off my body right now. Yeah. Yes, that is the mammogram for the A crowd. We we yes. all, you know, we all have our things, right? It sounds I'm awful. Gonna, I'm so yeah. sorry. No, and that's okay. But um, I don't have the extra beautiful, voluptuous weight that you just talked about in your breasts that you have to kind of manage and carry mm. around with you. Yeah. So there you go. It's yeah, like- it's a trade. <laughs> it's even Steven. Um, so as far as like more boob talk for this episode, I wanted to point out that I do recognize that some many women out there have made alterations to their breasts. Some mm-hmm. people have had mastectomies, lumpectomies, um, restorations, full on boob jobs, you know, you name it. And I think that what you're we're all going to find is that our journeys are all just going to be very different. Yep. But the more that we can share about this topic, you know, even specifically about breast changes during menopause, the better off we're going to be because we're not going to walk around thinking we're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Awesome. So, okay. Anything else we need to talk about about boobs? Um. No, I think just celebrate them. They're awesome. Celebrate them. And make sure that if you are wearing a bra, which many of us stopped doing two and a half years ago, the pandemic, um, that, it I know, fits, right? that it fits well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. I mean, I'm not wearing one right now. Are I'm you? not wearing one either. <laughs> I don't want to give you a boob high five, but then that might be kind of weird. And yeah. we're on Zoom. So I'd be putting my boob right up to the computer. Um, So I guess what I want to also hit on is that you started a business that brings women together and you have a huge community of women in your not your average runner community. And these women are of all ages and it's generally a fitness 
based community, but there's a lot of sharing of all kinds of things. And so I see you as someone who has access to lots of women who are on this journey. And I'm, I'm assuming there are lots of threads about menopause and what happens as you age and how it affects you. I guess I want to ask, like, what have you learned through this? Does anything stand out that you think is relevant to share? Uh, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is that women go, women often go through it alone, don't feel comfortable talking about it with their families, with their friends, with their doctors, and that they, and that they are very, they're not likely to attribute new symptoms to perimenopause or peri. Um, (laughs) and I mean, this happens a lot with clients that I work with that they'll, they'll, you know, one of them, one of my clients was just saying like, oh, I've just been getting all of this vertigo out of nowhere. And, and I'm like, how are, how old are you again? Like, oh, about 48, like probably perimenopause. And so I think that the lack of information, a lack of the lack of reliable information, because I think most people think, um, menopause equals hot flashes. And so if I don't have hot flashes, then I'm probably not in menopause. And so there's like misinformation out there. And then also there's a stigma about talking about it. And I think that is probably more damaging even than the misinformation is that there's this belief that you don't want people to know you're in menopause or perimenopause. Um, and that, you know, once you start to move into that phase of your life, I think we're all sort of programmed to believe that like, well, it's all over. I'm just dried up. I can't be attractive anymore. I can't like, there's none of, there's no like celebration of moving through this phase of life. It's all, a lot of women experience, you know, shame and grief over it. And it's kind of funny because I think, for me, menopause has been, despite the symptoms and despite like kind of having to unprogram my brain of thinking that like, oh, I'm just old and dried up. Um, it has been a very joyous, wonderful experience because it had like, it's allowed me to just see myself differently and start to like recognize my potential. But I think so many women don't get to see that part of it because they're so focused on the stigma and all the things that they think they're quote unquote losing as they move through this phase of life. And they forget about all they're gaining, not to mention all that you save on tampons for Pete's sake. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I can tell you, there's a few things that are just like making my brain go crazy right now. The first one is you just mentioned savings on tampons, but before you get there during the phase where your period is just sort of crazy and comes whenever it wants, I am getting ready to send out an email that says, how many pairs of underwear do I have to ruin? Because you never know when it's coming. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's another pair that stains there forever. Like just buy all black underwear. That's it's easier that way. Which kind? All black. Just buy black underwear and you never have to worry about it. Well, I will tell you that I am on the hunt for the best, most comfortable, non-granny panty bikini style underwear. And I did just stumble upon one uh, brand that I like. It's packed. P-A-C-T, you know, packed. They make like linens and clothing and they're like organic. But um, I have been buying underwear and you can't return underwear. 
from these brands. So when you buy it and underwear can be like 15, 20 bucks a pair. Yeah. A six pack is like $75. It's not cheap. Yeah. Unless you go Hanes or Fruit of the Loom from Target. And that's just not cool. It's not cute enough. And I was like, I'm 50. I don't want to wear these saggy Hanes granny panties anymore to bed, even if it's just me kind of want to feel better. Yeah. So when you're investing $15 per pair of underwear and your period comes whenever it wants, I love your advice. I'm just going to buy black. There you go. There For you the go. next multiple and years. There's the brand out there called Thinks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With an X, I think. Yes. And it's period underwear. Have you ever had one? I've never I, tried Well, one. no, they came out after I stopped having Oh, shit. <laughs> well, they could probably be used also for what a lot of women have, like incontinence and exercise induced yep. incontinence yep. and after baby incontinence and getting yep. older incontinence. Yep. I'm sure they could be for that as well if they're really just yeah. absorbent. I think my my head immediately thinks, oh, well, it's going to feel like you're wearing a diaper. But I think they are designed not to feel that yeah. way. And yeah. thinks is going to reach out and be like, I need to send you a pair of underwear. Which there we go. Please. Please hey, do. thanks. I will take <laughs> if it. If you're listening. <laughs> Jill and I will each take a pair yes. um, for different purposes. So, so yeah, I think that's like, you know, I'm really bummed that all these cool menstruation, blood catching devices came out like towards the end of my yes. life as a menstruator. <laughs> yes. So funny. Agreed. Like there's that, oh, what's it called? It's like the little funnel thing that you stick up there and it catches it like the cup. The diva cup or something yes, like the that. the diva yeah. cup. So I bought a diva cup like two years ago and I started using it and I'm like, hey, it'll pay for itself in like a year. Yeah. And then I had my back surgery and I'll be <gasps> honest, putting something that big, it's not huge or anything, but it just created extra weight in an area where I don't need the pressure, yeah, which is like my lower back. And I know it's not the same part of your body, but, um, but, but it is, you know, it's all connected. So it, yeah, it is. It is just like, ah, oh, I kind of missed that boat. Cause that's just so cool. And yeah. allows you to be so empowered with your own body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, remember when OB tampons came out and people were like, you're going to stick your finger up there. That's so gross. And weird. You know, when we were younger, like in high yeah. school and college and whatever. But um, I think women need to be able to explore their bodies. Yes. And, uh, and no, like, yeah, I'm going to stick this thing up there. It's going to catch the blood. I'm going to be able to pull it out. It's not gross. It's part yeah. of who I am. Yeah. And it, it's so it, like it, it occurred to me that if you think your own body is gross, then like that's going to affect your sexual relationships with other people. Cause like you're the whole time you're going to be thinking, well, they think it's gross too, because so it's not bodies are just bodies. They're not. Oh my gosh. Now I want to do a whole episode on sex and sex toys, but that will be a different expert. I think I'm sure you're probably an expert too, but (laughs) in fact, we should talk about sex a little bit. Um, because you mentioned earlier, like you thought your period was done. So you guys were like, hey, no protection. We're all clear. Um, what I hear from a lot of people is that it's the opposite. It's dry, dry, extra dry vagina time. You know, like things yeah. hurt. And you mentioned that you get dried up and you think you're done. I mean, how has sex evolved on the flip side? 
Um, that's a good question because uh, for my first marriage, you know, towards the middle and end, there wasn't a lot of action. So for me, <laughs> when I started dating again after my my divorce, um, I was kind of I felt like I was just a virgin all over again. I cannot believe I'm saying this on a podcast. <laughs> Never said this on a podcast before, but it was like kind of a brand new experience. So I didn't. I mean, I guess it's a little different, but I enjoy it a lot more because I'm not, I don't have all the hangups that I had when I was younger, um, that I had with my first marriage. So I think like the physical experience has been a little bit different, but, um, you know, from the perspective of lubrication and all that, but there's a, I, I think with, with menopause for me, like, cause I was working on my thinking about my body and my body confidence, um, through that process. So I think that that actually greatly improved my sex life because I was no longer thinking like, Oh, we got to turn the lights off or, you know, you can only see me from this angle or whatever. And now it's just kind of like, you know, let's just have some fun. Let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's so interesting because menopause is all about biologically the fact that we will no longer be bearing children, yeah. right? So we are losing that function. So if you looked at it that way, then, and if sex was purely to procreate, you would never have sex again. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing from you and I have heard from other people is that it's truly, it can be truly amazing, partly because you don't have to worry about birth control and getting yeah. pregnant, but because you're older, wiser and more yeah. confident in your own skin. Yeah. You just have to yeah. have more lube. Yeah, exactly. That's all lube. there is to it. Lube it's is literally all there is to it. <laughs> oh my God. Literally. So what advice do you want to make sure you pass on to our listeners about this topic? Not sex or sex. Um, well, I, um, I think I mean about menopause, <laughs> about menopause, but also leave the lights on when you have sex because it's more fun. Um, <laughs> but I think I think if you're experiencing weird symptoms, like. First of all, go to see your doctor tell your doctor, I think this is menopause. Can we test my hormones? Right? Like you totally can, can push for that, but also do some research, read some books on menopause, some recent books on menopause, um, preferably written by women who have gone through menopause. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot out there on, there's a lot, actually a lot of Facebook groups that, um, that will help you kind of not feel so alone. Cause I think that for me, the, the biggest struggle of perimenopause was feeling like I was going crazy and like nobody understood what I was talking about. So just the, your people are out there, seek them out, find a community where you can talk about it and share what's going on. And there's no need to feel ashamed about it or anything like that. Like it's just, just bodies that they just change over time. So it's all good. You know, what's cool about where you are and what you do and the people that you work with is that you are an exercise, you know, action-based brand. You know, you are somebody who's out there helping people with that part of their life. And my previous guest, Celine Yeager, when I asked her kind of this question, what do you want to, you know, what, what do you want to make sure you pass on? What can we do 
to make these symptoms better. And she's, I was like, what can we take? And she goes, you can take some lifting weights and running and exercise. Ah, And I was like, oh, that's a different mindset. And you're living in that space. So just by nature of helping women run and include that activity in their lives, you are helping them with your symptoms. I don't know if you realize that, but you are. Oh, yeah. And, you know, here's something interesting. I am right now, I am the strongest I've ever been in my entire life. Like I, I can deadlift over 200 pounds. And I feel like, like we've always been taught, like, as you get older, you need to take it easy. Don't push yourself so hard. And I'm like, no, I'm doing the opposite. Like I'm making myself as strong as I possibly can because I want, because another, another symptom of menopause is bone loss and so forth. So yeah. So I'm all in running permits, promotes bone growth, lifting weights, promotes bone growth. And like, you're never too old to do any of those things. Whoa, that was basically your final nugget. But wait, (laughs) you know what? We're running down to the end here. This was so awesome today. I just love chatting with you about any topic, to be honest. We could just like have a hat. We could do this once a week. All right, here's our new podcast. We'll take a hat, like a top hat or some kind of cool hat, and we'll have all these topics in it. And I'll pull one out and be like, here it is. This is what we riff on today. I love this. All right. We're doing it. It's called Top Hat Talk. Okay, (laughs) that is weird. Um, But, um, you know, it is time for us to move on so that you can continue to help women be their greatest selves. And I can go for a bike ride. And so (laughs) before we wrap, I don't know if you remember this, Jill, but I'm still doing it. I ask all of our listeners or all of our guests one final question so our listeners can enjoy their greatest advice. And it is, if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Oh, other people's opinions are none of your fucking business. (laughs) Damn. Perfect. Cue the music over and out. You nailed it. Thank you so much, Jill. You are amazing. Thank you for having me as always. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It feels good to take charge of our health and our bodies, especially at a time in life when they are doing crazy, unpredictable things. Do not forget to take advantage of our offer from Inside Tracker to be the best advocate for your own health as you can. For a limited time, Run This World listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Visit insidetracker.com forward slash run this world for 20% off. Do it. And if you have questions, shoot me a note. Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com and I will answer any questions you have. Okay, everybody, that's all I got today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and we'll see you next time.